I need to give you all a bit of a content warning before this sermon. I'm going to be discussing war and the humanitarian crisis happening in Gaza. If this content is too much for you, please take care of yourself. And please know that what we do here is to hold space for hard conversations together and to process them. One of the currents of history that currently needs our attention is happening in the Middle East. So much has stemmed from the attacks on October 7th, and the majority of experts in international justice are calling what's happening in Gaza a form of genocide. War and genocide are some of the world's great evils, and we have never and probably will never tire of exploring war as a concept because it might never end. And I just wanna say right now that exploring it as a concept is very different from exploring it as a real possible lived experience. I know for a fact that some of you have lived in the midst of a war, and I also know that witnessing a war from far away is very different from living in its midst. The leadership of the UUA, our Unitarian Universalist Association, has called on us, the ministers and congregants of UU churches, to speak up on behalf of the atrocities happening in the Middle East. I'm not sure how many of you have seen the letter from our president, but I wanted to bring it to your attention this morning. Her name is the Reverend Dr. Sophia Betancourt. It's easy to find on the UUA website, and I encourage you all to find and read it later today or later this week. But in the meantime, I'm going to do a little summarizing. On October 17th, the UUA released a letter calling for a ceasefire, and they also signed onto a letter on October 12th with a similar sentiment from the organization called Churches for Middle East Peace. While many of our elected political leaders were unable to call for a ceasefire, our religious leaders were doing just that. And they did it with incredible care and compassion and precise, nuanced language. They showed that they were aware of rising anti-Semitism and rising Islamophobia, and they spoke out firmly against both. They were aware that the current situation in the Middle East has a deep and complex history that needs attention. Their call of action asked for people to learn and to understand the context that has brought us to where we currently are. And that context includes the breaking of international humanitarian laws and apartheid-like actions by the current Israeli government, which is the most ultra-right-leaning government in recent history. In the most recent letter from the UUA leadership, which was written and published this month, they alluded to the January 26th report of the International Court of Justice that found that these atrocities in Gaza plausibly constitute genocidal acts and issued an immediate order to the Israeli government to take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of such acts. This letter also makes the argument that it is not anti-Semitic to criticize the Israeli government for failing to follow international humanitarian laws and even international rules of war. The current crisis happening in Gaza right now calls us all to action. In a New York Times column this week, a physician working for Doctors Without Borders in the southern Gaza Strip sent a text that read, we will die, all of us, hopefully soon enough to stop the suffering that we are living through every single second. These words ought to wake us up. They ought to shake us out of our revelry. I know that many of us are already informed and engaged in peace work and activism, and I also wonder how many more of us could add our voice and our actions to this crisis.
Our political leaders are not doing enough, and this crisis calls for more of us to rise up and stand opposed to what's happening. We must demand with our voices and our actions a ceasefire and an end to civilian casualties and humanitarian catastrophes. Every person has worth and value, and each of us deserves dignity and respect. Let's use our voices. Let's send out the call. Let's demand that our representatives represent us. This current of history that we are witnessing in the Middle East intertwines with the current of history that pertains to the immigration crisis. People migrating away from war and destruction, genocide or famine, and fleeing toward a different and better life, a life filled with hope and possibility. These intertwining currents form a river of injustice, and we need to tend to this river. There are people floating in this river, and they need to be witnessed, honored, and helped if possible. In the reading from earlier that Amy read by Fuang Vuang, he describes the current of history saying, trickles of needs meeting form a flow of migrants. Think of where it begins. Think of the current of history, long, windy, but traceable and forceful in its early shapes. Our poet is haunted by the vision of people floating on the Rio Grande. He asks the heart-wrenching question, who sees water as fun? Who gets to play in a heat wave? Who trusts the flow? And this is no easy question. I don't know about you all, but I have been taught to trust the flow. I've learned time and time again that trusting the flow works for me. And it's only little by little that I understand how much my privilege is the thing that is helping me to trust the flow. Because as it turns out, the flow of the water follows the riverbed, which is carved by the ruts of repetition, norms and expectations, inherited wealth, and systems that we've inherited from our ancestors. Status quo wins out every time. Water doesn't flow upstream. The people that already have power keep the power 99% of the time. Have you noticed this? I've usually only seen water as a source of fun and play. Yes, it's also life-giving, but they rarely see it as dangerous. Don't get me wrong, I know it can be, especially the ocean and riptides, ice on roads that we travel, flooding and hurricanes. I have actually lost two people in my life to drowning, one high school friend and the son of a college friend. I know how dangerous water can be, and I know the devastating effects of climate change and rising sea levels. A planet more touched by climate change is bringing about worsening effects on the relationship between water and humans and so many other life forms and our environment itself. The currents of history keep flowing and the riverbed keeps getting eroded. And despite my knowledge of how dangerous water can be, I can also choose to live the majority of my life playing in water, at water parks, in the lakes and pools. I might even run the risk of taking my easy access to water for granted. And this feels especially heartbreaking right now when we think about the number of people on our planet who don't have easy access to safe, clean drinking water. In this month, 
when our theme is justice, the practice of doing the next right thing, it feels extra important to analyze this relationship. How can we become and remain more aware of the world's injustices and work to fight against them? As heavy as those injustices are, how can we still stay afloat enough to enjoy life and work against injustice? I'm not going to advocate for a life that never plays during a heat wave. If I can, I will always use at least one hot day per summer to lazily float down a river and enjoy life, because that act of living is important. But how can I also use that fire in my belly to fight for justice when I'm faced with the brutal injustices of our world? And how can you? This week, one of you actually sent me a quote by Robert F. Kennedy that I hadn't ever heard, but I was touched by it. It perfectly captured the takeaway lesson I was planning to point to in this morning's sermon, and it also used some beautiful water imagery. Amy read it earlier, but I'm going to read it a second time. Each time a person stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, they send forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. I'd like for you to think for a moment about the way or the ways that you are going to be the change in the world that you want to see. There are so many things we could do to improve the lot of others, and I don't want you to get overwhelmed. You could probably make a list of 10 ways. You could stand up for an ideal or send forth tiny ripples of hope. And please do write all 10 of them down at some point. But this morning on those yellow pieces of flame, I'm just gonna invite you to write down one. And if you're on Zoom, please use the chat box. This is your chance to write down the next right thing that you can do to be the change, to work toward repair of the world. Don't think about your whole list and get stuck with indecision. Just imagine your list and pick the next right thing to do. When you're ready, please bring your flame forward and put it in the bowl. And now, depending on how much time and energy it takes to do the next right thing, after that, take a breather, find a little joy, maybe a bit of a recharge, and then do the second next right thing. And along the way, stay in community, stay in touch with your fellow comrades in the struggle, your fellow congregants right here. Share the ways that you are fighting injustice and using your voice and advocating for a more just and peaceful world. You never know who you might be inspiring. And we don't always know who might end up inspiring us. I hope that many of you will join us today for conversation circles in the social hall after the service. And I hope that our time together can be a time of building resilience, brainstorming ideas, and encouraging one another to take action toward tikkun olam, toward repair of the world. In the words of Sophia Betancourt, we are one global family living tenuously on the same human-impacted earth. Let us center ourselves in justice as we call for peace. 
And I say, let there be peace. Let justice roll down and let us find a way to be a part of that river flowing with hope. May it be so and make it so. Amen.